This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Grant Hall's with us here for a segment on halftime. Good morning, Grant. How are you? I'm fine, and you're right. I, I saw in the newspaper they were a five-point underdog, and it's, that's gone to six and a half, uh, despite the fact that Arkansas has beaten Ole Miss uh, nine of the last ten times. But they are playing in the uh, PBJ or whatever they call that arena, peanut butter and jelly, what's it called? <laughs> in, uh, Oxford. Are those the are those the initials of the of the folks who are named for the pavilion? Really, people? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't so. picked up on that. SBJ or whatever the thing is, um, the Tad Pad. I mean, it's well, it, it's a uh, it's a nice pavilion. I've been in there to kind of look at it before. Oh, it's but, great. Uh, they're unbeaten. SJB. It's the SJB uh, Pavilion. Thank you, man. I thank wish. You. I wished it would have been the PB and J. If they could just change Sandy's name to Patricia, that would have that would have been fantastic. Um, you know, yeah, but it's guys, not the same. It's not the same pro. Well, it's maybe it's the same program in some cases, uh, but it's not the same team, uh, and it's the same with Ole Miss. You know, that's the, this is this is not the same program that Kermit was running uh, that Arkansas didn't have too much trouble with. Um, you know, they're um, well, they're looking. They need a big win. Uh, Arkansas, uh, we're a little thirstier for a victory here. Yeah, Ole Miss is going to play with fanatical effort tonight. Uh, Chris Beard uh, and his teams are known for that. And he'll, I, you know, I mean, uh, it, it, this is the, it, Arkansas faces uh, a, a situation where, like, I know they practiced three hours on Monday. And Eddie Sutton used to have what he called gut practices when things weren't going the way he wanted them to go. And he'd have it during the season if he felt it was, it was needed. And I think Eric has done that a couple of times uh, this year now. But he's looking for, um, I mean, look at what he, he played 12 guys in the first 16 minutes against South Carolina. Uh, and that's not like him. That's not like his past history. But he's frustrated, you know, and he sees guys go in there and if. As Joe Klein said, I watched this thing again this morning, and Joe Klein was talking about uh, South Carolina got every 50-50 ball. And so if you, it, it just feels to me as if he needs to find the five guys who are the mentally toughest uh, for road games like this and for the season and that can play together. You know, the, the theme for South Carolina, they kept talking. They were picked, I think, last in the league, right? And after the game, they said it's all about mm-hmm. us. And they preach us all the time. And, and, you know, who knows where they'll be in March. I mean, in this league, you know, if this 16-3 and thing is real, they just beat Kentucky the same way they beat Arkansas. So maybe they are that good. But uh, at a certain point, you've got to start happening to the other team. And you've got to, as Chris Jan said, I saw an interview with him this morning, Mississippi State's coach. In this league, you've got to be more aggressive than the other team. And when the first, all you had to do was watch the first two possessions when they made it really difficult for Arkansas to even get a shot. And then they went down, scored on the other end. I think they led wire to wire, right? South Carolina in that game. Yeah, we never led. You just, you cannot take possessions off in this league. Uh, I mean, I, I saw Mitchell uh, miss a layup, and it looked like he could have dunked the ball almost. And then uh, um, 
Davenport on the in, missed an inbounds layup that he ended up making two free throws. But uh, it just almost feels like sometimes they're playing casually. Uh, I know that Klein was was pretty hard on uh, on Brazil, talking about just you know not having the passion on offense or defense. And, and we could talk about a lot of things with this thing. We could talk about three point shooting. We could talk about categories where they're near the bottom or at the bottom, like three-point shooting in the SEC. But to me, it all goes back to that kind of effort that allowed them to beat Purdue and Duke. And I'm not convinced that this team has to be done for the season at this point, though I'm sure a lot of people have written them off. Yeah, that Duke game, we attacked and got Filipowski in, in foul trouble early. Um, how, how do we get Brazil more involved? You know, we've only won one half of basketball in this SEC play. We've got 10 halves so far. Is it, is it a competition thing? You know, how, how, you got to have a little pride. Um, uh, but, but how do we get Brazil going a little bit? Yeah, that's it, Matt. I mean, I, I was going to ask you, like, when, when you played basketball, uh, if, if your team was in a, it, had lost a game or two. What did Nolan Richardson do in practice? I mean, you know, they say always change a losing game, and Eric did say he probably would would have a different lineup tonight. Although neither coach talked to the media, which is interesting. Before this game, I've never heard of that before. But what did Matt? What did what did Nolan do when things weren't going well? You know, Nolan was very good. You, you kind of knew who the guys were, and and I was over there for a couple months. But he he was really good at who was having a good week of practice. He wanted you to compete at practice. That was the thing, and whoever was competing at practice that translated to the game. And, and then, you know then also you get more playing time. It sounds like whatever happens in practice though doesn't translate to the game. I mean, that's a take yeah. I had from the coaches show the other day. Must said it's a team that practices better than last year, but we just watch the game. It's not the same. Yeah, I think he liked Monday's practice from, from what he said. But that's one of the great frustrations for people who've been doing this a long time, that where we used to, I mean, for the 11 years that Eddie Sutton was here, we could watch every practice we wanted to. At Nolan, the same way practices were open, and you could really, you felt, follow a team's progress, and things that happened from game to game weren't that surprising if you'd seen it develop in practice. But, I mean, I'm as in the dark as anybody else about who's going to maybe play well the next game or, who's in the doghouse or who's, uh, I mean, even, you know, Mark has been playing well, but his points the other day against South Carolina were not that effective because he was, they did a great job on him early and he scored some at the end when the game was kind of settled. So they just got to somehow find a combination, maybe uh, take it back to seven or eight guys. Maybe he'll do that through this Monday practice and, and try to stick with those guys and see what happens. Yeah, we got to concentrate on ourselves. That, that's for sure. Get back to playing, winning defense, and, and try to make it a little easier um, on, on offense. Hey, hey, Grant, I, I do want to ask you, I saw this a couple days ago. I know you're a, a golf fanatic just like I am. And uh, Nick Dunlap, uh, did you see that? Where an amateur guy yes. won on the PG? Can you, what, was, what was that? Who is Nick Dunlap? Well, he, he, uh, he plays for Alabama. He's, uh, uh, he's, I guess, into his, what, fourth semester now. Uh, he's been there a year and a half. He won the U.S. Amateur last summer, and and so people who followed it closely knew he's got great potential. He shot that 60 in the third round and then hung on uh, against some grizzled veterans, I guess, on the tour. I didn't get to see it Sunday, but I, I saw highlights, and uh, now he faces this remarkably difficult decision. Of, I, I'm sure that he, he never thought 
two weeks ago or that he would be in a position to having to decide, you know, do I turn pro and he's in three majors this year, whether he turns pro or not, I think, but, you know, as someone said, when Verplank faced this or when Phil Mickelson faced it, Phil finished at Arizona State, Verplank, because the money wasn't back then what it is now. I mean, he, this guy, if he wanted to go ahead and, and turn pro, is set up for several years, you know, and uh, he may not want to do that, but I, I, the guy seems like he's really mature. I like the way he said he was going to talk to his coach and his teammates. And he seems to be really level-headed. So uh, whatever he does, I wish the best for him. Grant, you're dialed. You're as dialed into golf as anybody that I've ever met in my life, and that includes college golf. Is is anybody talking about the idea that the transfer portal and NIL is ruining college golf, or is that just not anything anybody's worried about? Well, I don't think it's quite the factor. You know, I mean, it seems to be college golf teams have more continuity. Yes, they do have transfers and they can really help, but uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I, I think I think NIL uh, has changed basketball greatly, maybe even on this Arkansas team. I mean, do you guys think that? I mean, is, is it a factor? I think we saw it definitely on the football team last year. I think it does uh, happen. Well, you saw it with baseball with Paul Skeens, but you're seeing it this year with Grant Nelson at Alabama. What Grant Nelson would be would be our best player if, if that dude was on our team. Or, you know, what about Connect, uh, the year he's having? You know, I mean, it, it yeah, it really does affect things. But I haven't really thought about that. It's a good question. i tell you one other thing I, I wanted to. Well, first of all, let's congratulate Hudson Clark for being academic All-America. And uh, the fact he's going to come back, I think, and play a fifth year uh, for the Razorbacks. But then a couple of things going on. You know, the Los Angeles Times cut 20% of its uh, staff. Mm-hmm. And Sports Illustrated is reeling right now. The, this, this magazine of almost 70 years the, with all the great writer Dan Jenkins and Frank DeFord. You could go on and on and on. Uh, New York Times has practically done away with sports and it. It's uh, it may not trouble many people, but it does me because I still think there's a place for, um, you know, that columnist or that writer that you want to go read every day, whether it's 15 inches or what, that may have an overview or an analysis uh, that I think is missing in a lot of today's uh, uh, writing. Well, the New York Times bought the Athletic, and I know they don't treat it as their sports section, but I mean, it, I mean that is a national publication. It does a good work, and now that it's part of the Times, um, it's probably a safe publication. But it doesn't print anything. You know, the L.A. Times, you know, they view themselves as not just the, the paper of record for Los Angeles, but that's the paper of record for the entire Western United States in their mind. Much the same that the New York Times is like the paper of record for the country in yeah. many cases. Well, I'm glad the thing that seems to hit with people. Well, the, but Jim, Grant, the, the thing that hits with people right now is that is the, is the Sports Illustrated thing because of the cover and because uh, you know the weekly publication that you and I and Matt all remember and, and every it hasn't been the same publication, but you see that every one of those writers gets fired. That really hit people. Yeah, I mean, I've been reading that thing uh, since I was probably ten years old or something, and have always appreciated the the really and it, it obviously the magazine's changed a lot. It's not, you know, you're not going to go and buy it for ten and twelve page stories like you used to, but still, it's kind of a, a jolt to see that. And then uh, it, one more quick thing: I don't know if you guys talked about this yet, but I guess Doc Rivers is going to Milwaukee. Were you surprised that? Uh, 
you know, that uh, a guy with a 30 and 13 record gets fired like that. Well, they just fired the coach of the year as well. Um, the, you know, the year before. Yeah, that's uh, right. I heard Doc Rivers is, has lost his last uh, it's five of his last game sevens. You know, he's made it to like nine game sevens. He's lost five in a row of, of, of game sevens. But last year they were kind of hurt. Doc's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know. I don't think it's a good thing, Grant. Well, he had a, a kind of a well-regarded coach quit a week before the season, so maybe there is something internal there that uh, that we don't know about. But but the other but good, the other good thing I saw was Bobby Portis made the initial forty-one man roster for the for for Paris. I don't think he'll he'll make the final twelve. You know, they only take twelve players, but that's 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 pretty cool. It really is when you consider he's not even all Milwaukee Bucks because he's not in the starting lineup. He's a six right? man. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they need a well, they need a sixth man with the Olympic team that knows how to be a sixth man. Absolutely, that's right. And if people that remember Sidney Moncrief playing for them, they may even still root for him because of that. Because Sidney was a lot of people's all time favorite Razorback, and he played. He, there's the guy that was mind over matter. Man, if you had guys, I wish they could see some of the practice tape and game tape of those guys and how much effort they put into it. Because that's what this basketball team needs. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Good afternoon, Clay. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to hear y'all's voice. I mean, good to hear your voice too. I heard you this morning. Everything all right? I heard. I heard you talking about a slip um, on yeah. a little patch of ice. Oh yeah. I mean, I I did the I did the sprawl. You know, it was uh, it was ill advised. I mean, I was on 80 yards of slush down the end of my driveway to put the trash in the in the trash bin. It'd been out there for three days, and I, um, I knew the trash man was coming. And I thought, well, I'll go ahead and just walk this down. I mean, I could have just left it in the garage. You know, I mean, that's uh, that was there's no trash is trash, right? Doesn't matter when you get rid of it. Boy, I went face first. The trash went down in the down in the woods. Um, my knee hit, my elbow hit, and my wrist hit. And fortunately, you know, I just got some bruises. And I got a little cut on my knee. You're an athlete, Clay. You, you know, you got to know how to fall. They, it's, it's right. Just so then I crawled off that ice over into the ditch where it's grass and stood up. And, I, you know, this is what you do when you fall. You look around. Anybody see that? Anybody? Anybody? Where, there are where? cameras now that are catching the air. Yeah. Those well, I mean, but, but I live, I mean, I'm in such a remote place. And I knew my wife had gone to a meeting. Um at school, and, and um, she volunteers at the elementary school in Norfolk, so I knew she wasn't around, and, and so I just kind of gathered myself as like, man, what did I hit? Nothing. I'm okay. I'm okay. And then, uh, 
you know, managed to get back out of the ditch up into the slush part of the driveway. He came back. It's like, oh boy, I dodged it again. <laughs> one of my funny. one of my nine lives, right? Yeah, I'm in one of the. I still have just a little bit of ice in the backyard that I can't get in. The no sun gets on, and I haven't sprinkled my uh, my kosher salt on it yet. It's like you know, there's that one spot at Baumwalker Stadium that probably still has ice and snow on it and will for a while. You know, when they built that's the like the center. right field corner. Yeah, isn't it? it's out in right field. The sun doesn't hit it. Yeah, literally, the sun never hits it. I mean, never hits that one spot. So it'll 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 probably be frozen until opening day, no matter yeah. what. Well, I tried to figure out well, why is that was that spot ice in eighty six yards is slush, and there's one big oak tree that kind of canopies that, and so the rain, which you know, which melted everything, uh, wasn't hitting there. It was you know getting stopped by the tree and then running off. So I was just like, okay, mental note. That's something that I didn't know about my property that I'll know from forevermore that you're right. There is a corner of that drive. You know, I could have walked a little bit to the left, and that would have been slush. Of course, you can't tell the difference between slush and solid ice until you put that foot down. Until it's too late. I like how you too put late. it, Matt. you got to know how to fall. Or or you got to have padding at the right place. It's like a baseball player knowing how to slide. You kind of got to yes. learn how to slide. Yep. But you, quarterback, you see it with quarterbacks a little bit as well when they, they well, take off running. That's right. For a baseball player, it would help to have a warning track when you're chasing a foul ball, you know, past the infield or the warning track in the outfield. Then you know to put your hand out. We need a warning track for when we're about to slip on the ice. Or, Matt, or I, like just a warning that it's about to happen. Matt, I got a story on you yesterday. Uh-oh. I was talking to, to D <laughs> Nut, Danny Nutt, who is uh, managing a valet parking company for the PGA Tour. He he had parking in Maui. How about that for nice. a gig? Uh, and he's well enough. You know, he had that bleeding of the brain mm-hmm, stem that, mm-hmm. where he couldn't fly. Man, he said, I got on the Big Bird in Tampa and flew all the way to, to, to Maui. He says, I'm good now. So that's a really nice thing to hear. But he started talking about – I started talking about recruiting – and when he saw Darren McFadden the first time in camp, and he ran four two five as wow. a tenth grader on the on the watch, and uh, but he said uh, he I said well wouldn't you know Matt Jones what was the real deal? He said he came to camp, you know we do all these individual drills, and then at night we come back and we do flag football seven on seven, and he says Mr. Matt Jones put on a show, and he said. He had his flags on the whole day. Nobody ever ever touched him. Do you remember that playing flag football? Those were those camps were uh, they they were extremely fun, and, and you get to go up there with some of your teammates, and then yep. you get to see kind of the the thing was Clay when you go to a camp like that. It's it's back then. It's like well, I heard about this kid from Little Rock. I heard about Darius Howard. I heard about you know you did you know, and then so you're like okay, I heard about Jeb Huckaba, and then you see him up there at the camp, and so you're like, well, I want to try to be a little bit better than them. Yeah. But just just think, you made your splash when they like we got to have this dude. It was flag football. <laughs> I, the the one was at at Oklahoma State with Bob Simmons. Uh, I, I ran a four four two, and he he called me over and goes, "Hey, uh, don't don't worry about doing the other drills. We're, we're, <laughs> We've we're seen good. enough. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. done. Yeah, that you, was at the very yeah. Go go have a coke over there or a diet coke. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. As we'll take a call here. From Charlie on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Charlie, what's up? How are you? 
What's up, guys? Man, I got a question for you, man. Uh, I just feel like you're a naturalist, some of this stuff. Do you even practice before you do the 40 or do you just get down there and stand them and say, go? It's like before you, you play the piano, do you stretch or you just crack your knuckles? <laughs> you just go down there and run a full forward, don't you? You don't even train. You just do it. It's, your golf it's swing. It's unfair, like, you know? Charlie. It's unfair. Nobody should be able I, to do that. You, you run track in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. Run track every year. Well, that's like Rihanna not warming up before she goes out to perform and sing. You know what, though? She might not have to. She's, she's a talent. That's right. I she's mean, a she's not, like me. I didn't ask the tuner to run for nothing because the tuner wasn't running nowhere other than maybe up and down the court to catch the ball and shoot it. That's about it. Well, if you're going to have a uh, nickname after a fish, fast. Charlie, you're in the wrong sport. You should have been a swimmer anyway. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, guys, I was thinking, I, I wanted to throw out, a, I was thinking in my head a positive way last night, and I'm trying to be positive about this basketball team, which is really difficult. <laughs> and then my mother decides to call me, who is a, actually, she she's more of a basketball fan because that's what she saw me playing. She likes all the sports, all the three main sports. Uh, she watches all of them, football, baseball, and basketball, but she saw me play basketball the most growing up. And uh, she called me last night, and uh, she goes, Hey, uh, Tuna. Well, she don't call me Tuna, but she said, Hey, son. Um, you know, I've been watching this. Thing. She's a huge Eric, Eric Musselman fan. And she said, You know, there's something about this team that just don't take after him. Like, all the, all the, teams that he's had since he's been there, you know, she's always enjoyed watching them play just because how hard they play. And I said, that 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 is a huge problem with this team. Um, also, she brought up something last night. Now, she's a nurse, and she's trying to give Trayvon Brazil a little bit of a pass, saying that maybe he's not necessarily fully back to himself yet mentally. And I said, Mom, have you seen him jump? He can still go up there and you know, but maybe maybe she's right from the standpoint defensively because I thought last year, guys, when he got down in the stance before he got hurt, um, he was unbelievable. He could guard any position. Is there maybe possibly that, uh, the mental thing, Matt, with his knee, maybe? You know, I know it's different just going straight up and dunking compared to getting down in the stance and moving your feet. You know, it, it could that? I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm just trying to give my mama some credit here. Maybe she's right, but... Anyway, I just wonder what you guys thought about that, and if we, I, I pray that we can pull this off. I've kind of in my head said, you know what, I'm gonna turn this thing around and somehow get to ten and eight. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but anyway, I'm praying. Anyway, y'all have a good. One. Hey, Charlie. Next time, make sure when you tell the story that mom actually did call you tuna. Okay, that's I need that. You know, can when you, you can you call her mama tuna? When you when you when you close out on somebody, it's uh, he, he kind of lunges a little bit. But yeah, he does a little. Clay, you've seen more practice than I have. He, with him bending, he does he does bend like a tall guy. Yeah. Now let's 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 go back this year. Now you remember, and Matt, you know how ankles are, especially high ankle sprains. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's gonna mess with you all year. It it, it just doesn't it doesn't get well. Rest. Yep. It doesn't go, get well, and I mean, and you can go in there and do that surgery where they they split the that that muscle sheath open, and so it can heal a little better. But they didn't do that, and you know, you want to get him right back on the court. But I mean, that's a that's a a month, you know, to five six weeks injury. It's not debilitating, but it is a factor. And if you'll remember last year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he hurt his ankle in the regular season, and that stayed with him all the way through the playoffs. 
I mean, he was re-hurting it, re-hurting it, re-taping it, and it just looks to me like he doesn't have the same lateral quickness as he did last year. And um, he doesn't ha- doesn't have a lot of upper body strength, but he 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 can't guard certain guys. And I mean, surely he's trying. So I mean, that that makes sense. What you're what we're talking about. What about the idea of a lack of aggressiveness in other areas? I mean, there's some. If you have an ankle sprain and you and and you're thinking about it and you can feel it, that's going to take away some. Yeah. They can take away some of that aggressiveness in every aspect of the game. So I, you know, I look at a guy that in Brazil that should be averaging more than six rebounds in conference basketball. You know, somebody that just uh, he's not able to create his own shot he, very much. I don't know if he would have been able to before the injury, but it's just, he's he's not very. He's not very aggressive. I guess, he gets pushed off his spot a lot. That's that's the thing. It's it's like yep. he should be able to get to a couple spots on the floor, and it's it's kind of a struggle for him to get there. And at you, times. you see when he gets when somebody bumps into him or leans him, mm-hmm. he bends at the waist, which means they've knocked him off balance, and then he then he takes another step to regain his balance. And then the other thing about rebounding, he would go up and get those grown man rebounds last year, two hands. You know, it would be up there at the top of the square. And when you're worried about your ankle or your knee, it's like, where am I going to come down? Where is Where am I going to put my feet? You don't, you don't want to get up there exposed and not know where you're going to be able to land. And when he's out in the open court and he knows there's nobody out there, he jumps with a different freedom. But that's, you know, I might be imagining some of that. That's just what I see. He is the only player on this team that has started every game. You know, Devo has started 17 of the 18 games. Mark has started seven, uh, 14 of them. I mean, I guess I would assume that Brazil will be in the starting lineup for Ole Miss. Uh, I would assume Mark will be. I, I guess Devo as well. I, I don't know on the other two. I mean, Ellis has been a starter recently. Lawson's been a starter recently. Manyfield's been a starter recently. But the thing is, is all of them are going to get minutes. You're gonna, this is a game where, look, they beat A&M. There were, what, seven players that pretty much got all the minutes, and that was because of an, of an incredible start. They had a great first half. That's the best half they've had mm-hmm. in this calendar year. And so Musk pretty much stuck with those guys even when things were slipping away in the second half. If you have a bad first half again, you're back to 10, 11, 12, 13 guys playing. You know, and I just don't think it'll be a short rotation because why would you have one right now unless you see a reason to keep it? Uh, and you need a good, <laughs> I hate to put it on the start of a game. And like, it's like you put the last time we were talking about this a week ago, Matt. Break it down to your four minute, you, you got to find every, a way. every media timeout. I think you got to find a way to compete. You got to find a group of guys that, that enjoy playing together but understand how to play together and, and can get a feel for each other. And I don't know if you do it like a line change where you have this five go out there for three, four minutes, and then you keep track of who's competing, who's winning each each time they go out there, and then who wins. You're going to get to play more. We're, we're going to trust you more if you go out there and play winning basketball. I, I think he would like to do that. But I think every time he they play a game, it's – you know, there's another setback. And right. I mean, you know, like a guy that has a good game or, you know, a good performance in part of a game doesn't consistently do it. And I, I think he wants he wants battle to be one of their guys, but he puts him out there and then, boom, he takes a shot. I mean, there was a game, I think it's been several, several weeks ago, where he went out of bounds and sprained his ankle or turned his ankle and 
he kind of limped back up in the corner, and the ball came to him, and he could hardly jump, but he shot it. <laughs> I mean, it was like, and then he then he limped to the sideline. Well, if you got to limp around, you don't need to be shooting a three in the dead corner. But that's just like what what was he thinking? Um, and I know that frustrated the coach to no ends. I mean, you can see him get frustrated. I mean, he's it's not like he hides it very well. Well, even um, if he is sitting, like I've, I've watched him and it's like, well, he's sitting. <laughs> he must be really annoyed right now because there's nothing else just, he can do about it. He's just like, uh, I'm, I'm beyond words. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of throwing your hands up. Uh, let's take a call from John and then we'll, we'll go into the break. John's in yep. Fort Smith. He's on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, hey guys, man, there, there's so much wrong with this team. We, I mean, we could, we could go on all day. Uh, effort, uh, efforts, a major issue, which I don't understand. Uh, Brazil act to me acts like, you know, I don't want to get hurt. I may have a pro career. So I'm going to just kind of go through the motions because rebounding is about positioning and effort. And he's doing neither one of those. Uh, my my question is, why don't you get guys out there that's going to give you 110 percent? Layden Blocker, man, plays as hard as anybody on the team, and and you know he he does good in Florida, gets a lot of minutes, and then he comes back and he plays one minute. It just makes no sense at all. I mean, some of Mus's decisions on rotation, and by no means am I saying we need to get rid of Mus. I think Mus is the best thing to happen since Noah Richardson up there, but. Some of the some of the things you know he preaches about effort and all that, and then some guys that will give you effort are not getting a play, and I don't I don't get that. I don't understand that. I mean, yeah. so, and if Brazil is afraid of getting hurt, set him down and put somebody out there that at least will give you one hundred ten percent because it, it's not happening with him. Yeah, I think that sometimes we watch a game and we go, all we see is one game and then the next game. We don't get to see practice. We don't know what they did in practice that, that might change the rotations. Well, I know they had a three-hour practice on Monday. <laughs> I know they traveled yesterday. It's not a long flight, but you know everything that goes into you know getting on the bus, getting up. If they flew at XNA, which is what you're usually doing right now, and and everything that goes into it, and then you have a little shoot around yesterday when you get to the pavilion. <laughs> Well, I really wish it was the PB&J Pavilion today because it's Peanut Butter Day, National Peanut Butter Day. And then, you know, hanging out in Oxford up until 8 o'clock today. It's a lot of heavy practice, travel day, a lot of sitting. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Congratulations to the newest 
Baseball Hall of Famers, Adrian Beltre, who was a shoe-in as a first ballot guy. One of the greatest third basemen ever. Though interestingly, and I guess this tells you a little bit about all-star games and all-star appearances, he only made two all-star teams. But remember, you're only voted into the all-star game because of what you do in the first half of a season. So, first ballot Hall of Famer, two all-star games. Probably no other first ballot Hall of Famer that played uh, fewer than those. Uh, Joe Maurer and Todd Helton as well. And this has nothing to do with whether or not anybody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think all three of them deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Maurer was a catcher that won three batting titles. You know, and, and, and Helton, for all of the talk that, that he made his money through crushing at Coors Field, he actually was a pretty good hitter on the road. He had a career 855 OPS on the road. And, I mean, that might be a Byzantine statistic, but it really isn't. So uh, he could hit on the road. He was a good hitter on the road. He was a great hitter at home. Sneaky 17. He wants some gold gloves, too. So that's nothing yeah, to do that. with uh, thin air. The, the both of them, though, were quarterbacks. Um, well, I don't, know, I don't know what other sport Beltry might have played on in, in the Dominican, Dominican Republic, but you know Todd Helton, two-year quarterback at Tennessee, and Joe Maurer was, would have gone to play quarterback at Florida State for Bobby Bowden had he not been, uh, I think he was the first overall pick of that draft, and he was a hometown boy. Was he the first overall pick in that draft in uh, 2001? Yep, he was. Took him four years to get to the major leagues. And uh, who knows what kind of a quarterback he could have been. He went to Creighton High School in St. Paul. They ended up going with Chris Ricks. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So do you want me to tell my Todd Helton story now? Yeah, what do you got? I remember hearing this before. Yeah. Todd Helton. So he played quarterback at Tennessee. Yep. Playing in War Memorial Stadium. Danny Ford's Arkansas coach. It's the early days of really having cameras close to the sideline, you know, in the you know, in the little carts, you know, when and they had you know, they had the sound bubble that was that would had just come in where you could have sound from the sideline and you you know, you wanted to hear the crash in the helmets, you know, they had that little clear bubble and they had it down on the pretty close to the sideline. Todd Hilton running the option. In the last minute of the game, Tennessee's up pretty comfortably, comes to the sideline, and he gets up after a tackle, and Danny Ford is like, says, I hope you get hurt. You know, like, and that picked up on the sound. <laughs> they could um, hear that? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, of course, you know, the Tennessee folks went ballistic. And But his point was, you know, you don't need to be running now, man. You know, this is this is – you're you're going to get hurt. You keep doing this. You're too good a player. You know it's like, in, you know it's time to run the clock out. Is was his point, <laughs> Danny. Oh, Danny was a was a wonderful wonderful uh, human being. I mean, he had great, you know, sense of uh, caring for others, but he didn't care for Todd Hilton right then. Yeah, he was a pitcher, too, at Tennessee. I mean, this guy was... He could do it all. He could have won the Olerud Award, but I don't know if it would have been named for Olerud then because Olerud was still in the big leagues at that point. But he was kind of the same kind of guy, first baseman, pitcher. Uh, Man, I mean, looking at his career record as a pitcher at Tennessee, he was 19-5 and with 23 saves, and he had a two twenty four earn run average at Tennessee. Uh, So who knows if he could have made it as a pitcher, too. Two All of Famers in the SC, uh, two All of Famers in Cooperstown that played SEC baseball, 
And that feels like a really low number considering this has been the dominant conference for college baseball for a little over 30 years now. But that's also because the SEC really wasn't very dominant for quite a long well, time in baseball. But they were specializing. You know, by the, if you play in the SEC, you're just going to, you know, those those uh, those football coaches don't want you, football SEC coaches don't want you playing baseball. I mean, Barry Lunny, uh, Danny Ford penalized uh, Barry Lunny by not starting him the first game. I believe it was his senior ninety five. He didn't start the first game. I don't think um, broke his string of starts, and that's because he played spring baseball. And Danny didn't like it. Hmm. So you know the the football coaches they didn't want their quarterbacks, you know, or their key players playing. Uh, they want them at spring football. And then you end up with a coach later <laughs> that we were just talking about with Matt that they didn't mind playing playing two on two basketball with their quarterbacks too. So, Competitors yeah. compete, man. You go out there, Coach Coach Nutt, you know, I, 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 that was one of the things I wanted to play basketball. He said, if you go over there and you can contribute, go go over there. He he, he welcomed it, you know, but if you go over there and you're going to sit on the bench like uh, Giannis's brother and just be a fraud paycheck casher, uh, then you're going to have to go through spring ball. And the thing yeah. with Ma- Maurer, he had that, he had the, 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 the pressure of being the hometown boy and a franchise savior. I mean, the, why did the Twins have the number one overall pick? Because they stunk. <laughs> and then they picked the kid who's from St. Paul. And, man, I mean, they were pretty good. They never made it to a World Series, but they did win some division championships. And then, they're, like, Beltry, this is a guy who got to the major leagues at the age of 19. You know, he did not spend very much time in the minor leagues. So 19 years of age, he's going to be a cornerstone for the Los Angeles Dodgers you know, he was okay with the Dodgers for like the first five years. Then he has this massive breakout season in his walk year. You know, the whole you know, <laughs> free agent now hit 48 home runs, goes and signs a contract with Seattle. He was okay with Seattle. And things really blossomed for him when he signed with Boston in 2010. And then with Texas, he's one of the – there's so many, there are so many instances of, of players that had great careers in their 20s but faded in their 30s. He was the other way around. Like he was, he was good in his twenties. Then he was great in his thirties. So he was also famous for being great in the locker room, great with fans, very popular. I mean, you and you, don't touch his head. Don't touch his head. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't pat him on the helmet. He didn't like any of that. Yeah, if you if you want to laugh, just look at and specifically check as he played with Elvis Andrews for a good chunk of uh, the time there in Texas. Maybe they might have been teammates the entire time at Texas. Just type into a, a YouTube search, Elvis Andrews, Adrian Beltry's head, and uh, it's nonstop laughs pretty much for however long they, uh, they have that reel out there. So, uh, yeah. And then I thought about, so you know that, so Todd Helton backs up Peyton Manning. How many, how, how, like seriously now, how many quarterback rooms had two Hall of Famers in that room Never, never mind the idea that, that that one of them played a different sport than the other. Well, Joe Montana and Steve Young come to mind, but that's that's just not in uh, college though. That's, yeah, but they were in they were in the same quarterback room and was it, Helton was just a tremendous athlete. I mean, just that he could do you, you give him a ball and he could do whatever he wanted to do. Well, it's uh, I, it's it's super cool seeing these guys get. Uh, Get there, and instead of having just one person in the Hall of Fame, because every once in a while you think this might be another year, you don't get anybody elected. Three get elected. Billy Wagner 
probably gets in next year. I think he fell just like two or three percentage points short. Gary Sheffield falls off the, the ballot now. Well, so there's another one of the of the of the. What do you the, think the of players. that, Phil? Well, I mean, his numbers are good enough, but if you're this is this is how it is now. If you're implicated in the steroid scandal, there's a very good chance, probably nine times out of ten, you're not Cost you're you not votes. getting in. Just enough votes, yeah. You think Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer because him and Kershaw were in the same same uh, room there for a little bit. That's they true. were teammates, and Kershaw's a Hall of Famer, I think. Absolutely. I, I don't know if Stafford is uh, with the embellishment or the inflation of the numbers in, in today's game, but there's no there's no quarterback that you know. If you win two Super Bowls, you get in. So if he wins another one, Stafford would be a Hall of Famer. That's a good that's a good one to point out. And they were high school teammates, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Pitcher catcher, yeah. I don't know if Stafford's a Hall of Famer. That baseball yet. team rolls in in high school. They're, y'all aren't beating them. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are. I mean, you got to take the L. What kind of a baseball arm did Peyton Manning have? That's the thing I'd like to see. I'm sure he's thrown a baseball on camera because what hasn't he done on camera? Todd Helton could throw a football and throw a baseball and smash it 450 feet. I wonder if Peyton Manning could have him, actually played the, the game a little bit. Him and Emmett are trying to bring Bud Light back. They're throwing Bud Lights around in the bar now in the in the new commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're they trying to man. go woke. Well, didn't, didn't Peyton involved in a in a Budweiser distributorship? He owns a lot of their stock. That's right. Peyton Manning is a big-time yeah, investor. He's got, and, I mean, that's yes, his, yeah. he's probably doing that for free. He's he Well, he's the, got to bring it back. That bottom line went down a lot. He lost a lot. Yeah, that's right. I think it's on the way back, though. I think for, so, too. For the most part. Yeah. What was the thing you told me, speaking of, uh, of Netflix up 60 points in is this, overnight. This is, well, this you, is after the announcement you of brought them it up getting yesterday and I Monday at Night it. Raw? Yep. Wow. You, you brought it up yesterday, so I looked at it. And then today I looked at it again, up 61 points. That's wild. So, so th- this has to be all about the idea that now Netflix is going to get into sports. Now they're sure going to be is. streaming sports for li- live. I mean, you're looking in on this. That's the one way to grow a company that I don't know how else you could grow it. I tell you what, what's also going to happen is uh, your Netflix subscription is going to be in the 20s or 30s and it's going to be 17. Oh, yeah, it would be thirty nine ninety five before you know it. <laughs> you still remember when it was 9 bucks? Nine ninety nine. 99 It was nine. never 9 bucks. That's You're how right. you got in. Yep. It was always nine ninety nine, And they sent these things called DVDs to you, too. Yeah. I never Kristen, did you that. ever watch a DVD? Oh, man, maybe a few times. Gosh, I mean, this is it really... It wasn't a lot. Whoa. That's my, that's my daymaker right there. I am old. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I got about 400 DVDs in my in a DVD case at my house, like in a in a CD binder, you know? It's like, oh, my goodness. My I, got, I got something that's pretty cool in my library. I've got 60 DVDs, and it's, it's I think it's 30 years. There's two of them. For each year, it's the 30 years of the mobile Southwest Conference highlights. Kern Tips uh, narrates it. You know, it's a little bit of every uh, Southwest Conference game of the year. I've got one that's got uh, Clyde Scott and Doak Walker playing against each other. Mm. Neither one of them finished the game. They both were injured. Now, here's a quarterback room that's worth mentioning. Thank you, Ron in Springdale on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Louisiana Tech had Terry Bradshaw and Phil Robertson. Phil was on the bench. <laughs> and that was another, that was a top overall pick. You know, Bradshaw was the first pick in, what was it, the 70 draft, I think it was? 
That and Texas, Phil Robertson backed him up? Who was the other guy there? That Texas Tech locker room when they had Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, and, and they had one other guy. That one had, other guy. That I right. can't think of his name. They had three guys in that same Texas Tech locker room. Yep. Phil apparently in, um, would uh, sometimes miss morning workouts. Guess what he would be doing? Hunting? Duck hunting. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Meanwhile, Bradshaw was still figuring out how to spell C-A-T. <laughs> right. He combed his hair in those days. Happy National Peanut Butter Day today. This is, uh, my son has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day at school. Always the smooth. Um, smooth or crunchy? Let's start with you, Matt. Or, or or no peanut butter. How do you look at this? Oh, yeah, crunchy. I'm an almond butter guy if you're going to do one. But, uh, yeah, crunchy for sure. All right. You're going with different nuts and their butters. Okay. You got to do that. What about sunflower? Ever had the sun butter I, before? I don't know that I've had. I'm not really into the butter scene that much. You know? <laughs> No, no, good. good. I cook You're with not... eggs, uh, olive oil. You know that's my fat. I cook with more than I don't really mess with the butter. I'm a lot much. more like Paula Dean than yeah, you are. Yeah. But there's there's extra life front, peanut in front of the butter in this case. Yeah, Clay. What about you? Crunchy or, or creamy? I was going to say clear. I'm not eating clear peanut butter. Creamy. Okay. Never crunchy. No, I mean it, it's a. Uh, you know, I got in an elk camp two years ago, and you know we took. Stopped at the grocery store before we, you know, went up to 10,000 feet and had, you know, our, our food stuff. And every day we make, you know, at 4 a.m. when you're getting ready for the day, you make a sandwich for, you know, 1 o'clock, in the, you know, in the woods. And got out on the on our little table there in the tent, and my buddy pulls out the peanut butter, and it's crunchy. And it's like, well, I'm not eating that. <laughs> and what? he's like, All right, he's like you're what? not just... going to eat that? What I don't, I don't is want that wrong? Texture. What is wrong with the crunchy peanut butter? Texture, what do we have man. a problem with here? Texture. Can you do you eat regular peanuts at a baseball game? I'm just telling you, it's different. I mean, it's like it's like, you know, what's the difference between tomatoes and ketchup? I like ketchup fine, but I'm not big on you know sliced tomatoes. Okay. All right. I was just going to get the same a thing bit of for it. Um. The thing is, too, is like I love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I've been a little bit overdone on it. You know, <laughs> too many after, crustables. It's not the uncrustables, and we do have that during the season. Every once in a while, I'll eat the the uncrustable in the booth um, and bring one for Bubba too. Because if I don't bring one for him, he's going to remind me about that. It's like we got to be equal all the time. That's right, Bubba. Um, it's that I'm a little. Uh, I, I mean, I worked in minor league baseball for almost twenty years. You basically subsist on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like they don't have the ramen. You get, there's the two things that would go along with making that kind of money it would be ramen noodles or peanut butter and jelly. They don't have the ramen noodles in the in the clubhouses across the Texas League or the California League, but they had plenty of peanut butter, plenty of jelly, and plenty of very low grade bread. So yeah, I've probably had one one too many of the of the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And see, I here's somebody right after my mind here: Harry Dog in Fayetteville, Super Chunk. Skippy peanut butter. I can eat them both. I can eat them both. Got no problem with either of them. I'm a PB&J guy. I mean, that's that's my lunch when I go fishing. You know, have that in my backpack, you know, my vest. You know, stop and sit on a log and get me a little Debbie's PB&J and bottle of water. I'm good. I was doing, this is years ago, I was doing uh, live sets with Paul Eels before football games. I think David Basil does them now. 
And I said on live camera, this is better than peanut butter and jelly. And Paul got to laugh, and he couldn't finish the segment. Right, because you can think of about a million TV. things that can be better, but there, there's a moment where it hits the spot better than just about anything else. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Dwight, we appreciate you joining us today. I know you're pretty busy. What's going on, and how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, just got done with a workout. Just um, been here in Dallas, just getting prepared for the Shrine Bowl that's coming up um, next Thursday, February 1st. And um, I'm just been training for the um, draft, just getting ready. I'm excited about that. Dwight, Matt, Matt Jones here. What, what, what are you going to run? I'm a big fan of yours, man. Uh, I, I love watching you work. I love watching you play. What uh, What's your 40 time going to be? Um, For me, I would, I would like to run um, a 43, of course. Um, I'm pretty sure um, with the work and stuff, like being leading up to the draft, I, I decide I think I'm going to run pretty much like a 4-4 or 4-3 for sure. Nice. So what is this event you're doing on, uh, you, you have on Thursday next week? Okay, so on um, February 1st, I'll be playing the um, East and West Shrine Bowl. Uh-huh. Um, it, um, it will be played in Frisco in Dallas, so that will be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, um, I have practice starting tomorrow and stuff like that. It will be pretty good. I'm excited about that. Got to um, get ready for the media and stuff like that. I'm talking with different scouts. It will be my first time, so yeah, it's a blessing. So what what is that like now? Because you know you 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 switched from one school to the other, and every year you got to get used to new teammates. But I mean, this is the team that you are joining, and you are meeting them one week from the game. What is, I mean, what is this like? Is you got to introduce yourself to a lot of guys and figure out, um, you know, how to how to work in tandem and everything. I know it's not quite the same as being on a college team, but I mean, you guys are playing a football game together. Yeah, true. Um, um, just being around all these guys just. It's very cool because um, you don't know them um, until you come and meet them in person, like um, here and stuff where I'm at right now. And um, being around them, you you figure out the personalities and everybody's on the same mission. We all want to feed our family. We all want to um, make it to the next level and play in the NFL as as we wanted to do since we were kids, you know. And just coming to um, seeing the competitiveness of other people and seeing their ability and how hard they work is it kind of motivates you and push you and make you want to be better, you know. There was another awesome cornerback uh, named Deion Sanders who wore number two at Florida State. Uh, played played in the league for a little bit. Why Why did you choose the number two? Um, I always been having that my whole life. 
it's always been too. Um, it really was not no um, reason behind it, but definitely um, my um, my dad he gave me the number, and I've been and I ran away with it ever since. And also, I did grow up liking Deion Sanders. That's another reason why I say say that too. Who who was the toughest uh, receiver that you had to go against this year in the SEC? Um, this year, um, I'll say for sure, um, Malik Neighbors or um or Brian Thomas. Um, the receivers are very good. Um, I remember going against them at practice whenever I was at LSU, whenever they were, they were freshmen and stuff, um, and just seeing how they transform into their junior year and the seasons that they've been having and stuff, it was real cool. And just going against them again, again, it felt like practice. Um, they're giving me their best. I'm giving them my best. It was a game that you have to show up in against them. You can't just come with 50% against them. you got to give it your all. Dwight, tell us where, where you feel you improved mostly uh, in the two years you played at Arkansas. Come over from LSU, you know, you're, you're a two-year starter at Arkansas, and obviously you've uh, you made an impact uh, at Arkansas on the field and off the field. But where do, you, where do you feel you improved the most as a Razorback, and who helped you doing that the most? Um, I would say I improved um, just on route recognition and play recognition and just knowing what's coming before um, it happens. Um, like my first two years at LSU, I didn't get my hands on the ball that much often. And, um, the game, the game speed was, was very fast, you know, to me. But once I came to Arkansas, um, for my junior year, I became more developed and, um, I learned more and more. And I, and I took knowledge from my old coach, um, Corey Raymond and, um, my previous coach, um, coaches, um, Coach Wilson and, um, and Whitson. Um, they helped me as well um, develop the person who I am. For this last year, I'll say, even though I was a little banged up, but um, they also always made sure um, I was um, my head was um, straight, you know. Dwight, this is Clay Henry. I want to ask you to put your, you know, your stargazing lights on and tell me what's going to happen at Alabama. They lost Nick Saban. And it looks like it's been a mass exodus of players. Do you expect Alabama to go up, down, stay the same? What, what's going to happen? You know, and that's one of our rivals, both when you were at LSU and Arkansas. Oh yeah, um, for sure. The school, the school, I'll say, will be going down for a couple of years, and then hopefully they'll rise back to the top. Um, it's just a different um, change of era now since that Nick Saban is gone. Um, I know I was only um I was an Alabama fan growing up because of Nick Saban and because Alabama was always known for winning and always been a school to have all the um five star sports stars that come in and you got to compete with them and every day um at Alabama is is hard work you're going against the best so you can't fall behind on anything because you have a next man that could easily replace you you know. Uh, one, now back to Arkansas. The Arkansas defense improved. You can look at the numbers this year. Why? Why did y'all get better, uh, Dwight? Um, I would say the defensive scheme and um and um the coaches and player development. Um, I say um, many people on our team came back another year and um they developed in a way and um and we listen and we listen to the um the coaches. We burned it. We burned it as a team and stuff like that. We um we understood each other. It, 
Yeah, um, yeah, we had came came out really strong though. I say that, yeah, for sure. I say the defensive scheme that helped it put people in more um, position to make plays in the secondary. Well, it's been almost yeah. two months since the last Arkansas game. I mean, that's a little bit of perspective between uh, you know the end of a disappointing season and now something you're getting ready for, uh, which is the Shrine game and hopefully. Uh, get an invite to the NFL Combine as well, or the Draft Combine. With the perspective yes, of two months since the last game played at Arkansas, um, how did you feel about this last football season? And it obviously didn't go the way that most people hoped for. Um, it just it just sucked. Um, I say because we were losing and stuff. But um, during those times, it helped. Um, it helped. I say many people on our team get stronger because um, in life. Everything's not always gonna be perfect, and you gotta um, find a way to keep keep trying to have a um, positive mindset and keep being good throughout all the all the madness that's going on. And every game, um, when I thought that was available to play in, I made sure I played it all for my teammates. Every time I I walked on the field, I made sure I made sure we enjoyed the moments that we have before the moments was over. You know, um, the season didn't go so good, but um, it was a disappointment, but I had fun with my teammates, and I wish it was a season that that would be remembered for real. Dwight, how would you describe your game? Uh, if, if are you, are you more of a zone cover two type of corner? Do you like to play off man? Do you like to play press? What what do you think? How how do you describe some of your assets of your game? Um, um, I like to say um, like it's kind of hard because I say. I like man coverage. Like I love man coverage, um, and I also like zone because it helps me um, see the development of the routes and stuff. Um, but I love I love following the um, a receiver and, um, and putting the locks on them. You know. Absolutely, man. I I, I think you're a, a a great talent, man. I think you you hard work. You keep going, man. I think you can play in that league for a while, man. I hope you keep it up. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Wait, is there any – do you play a Shrine Bowl game differently than you play, you know, a Saturday game against uh, against Alabama or against Texas A&M? Um, you know, is, is there a different way that you play a game that is more for the scouts? And, you know, they're keeping track of the score, but the score doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. Uh, um, how I'm trying to take things now, um, I'm trying to take things like it's – like it's me playing park at the football and I'm having fun and doing my thing, you know. Um, I just want to go out there, have fun, be excited, and not have any anxiety because um, of the setting or because scouts and their scouts and stuff. There, I always want to be myself, and you know, um, God always gonna take care of the rest. I'm coming in, I'm coming in, and trying to win every rep. I don't have a loss on my mind, so um, if I just have that already in the mindset. I believe once once I get between the lines, it'll be uh, it'll be even easier for me to even just lock in and just have fun. Dwight, right. these these uh, these All Star games, the game is important, but they the the players always tell me it's the practices where the scouts yeah. really get a, get yeah. a chance to see you. I mean, yeah. Is that is that the way you're focused? Um, so of course I don't want to have an injured, like knock on wood, I don't want to be injured, um, going into like the combine and stuff like that or anything. But, um, 
Most definitely, um, whenever I see someone in front of me, I know what I have to do. It's either um, their parents are going to be happy or my parents are going to be happy. <laughs> and I want my parents to be happy more, you know, and I want my p- parents to be happy the whole time. That's how I really look at it now um, at this point. I love that. It's a simple goal, and I think that's one everybody can get with. Uh, Dwight comes to us today courtesy from Arkansas Children's Northwest, one of the great resources in our listening area. Uh, Dwight, tell me uh, to, to you, what, what does it mean to represent Arkansas Children's Northwest and you and, and a group of your former teammates at Arkansas having a chance to make a positive impact on their Miracles and Magic Radiothon coming up on February 2nd? It's always a blessing to um, give back and um, and look out for um, look out for others and and people that doesn't have your life, you know that, or that's not probably in the um, same position you are, you know. Um, um, we wake up every morning sometimes and we forget how blessed we are being able to talk and walk and stuff like that. And, and many people will be have to go through things in the children's hospital and sometimes don't even be able to be around their family. And um, just be around friends and enjoy these type of moments, and having a, like a platform, and just being the person who I am, and just like whenever I was younger, I always looked up to many people that was doing good in the community because it's positive, and it always wanted me to do something for others. So that's a blessing. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.